Hi everyone and welcome back to On Track Off Course, the Racing Welfare podcast. Now this month, April, is National Stress Awareness Month. So in this episode, we are going to be focusing on stress and resilience, which is uh, something we know quite a bit about, Tina. (laughs) Can you tell by my luscious silver locks? (laughs) Good job the hairdressers are opening again. I know, I can't wait to get there. Um, Yeah, it's National Stress Awareness Month and 74%, the Mental Health Foundation have just reported that 74% of people over the last year um, suffer from stress to the point of overwhelm. So it's it's a big issue. It's something that we're going to focus on today. Um, So how are your stress levels? Um, Yeah, I'm probably in that 74%. (laughs) Um, and how do you deal with it when you are feeling stressed? Um, badly, probably. <laughs> I think I'm trying hard to do all the things that we talk about, like yoga and breathing exercises. I've got an amazing app on my phone, which I would recommend to anyone, which just has a lot of breathing exercises and stuff to help you go to sleep. And it's even got things to help your kids de-stress on there as the calm app it's amazing so do you give that app to your kids quite often then you can like do it on the bluetooth on your phone when you're in the car and they're really annoying you (laughs) and this nice american lady gives them some lovely calming breathing exercises to do that's a great tip yeah what do you do to manage your stress well i was thinking about stress and and usually it's it's usually down to overwhelm, isn't it, with too much to do. Mm. And I think that's something that you and I both find quite stressful, being mums, working, that work-life balance that we've talked about so much. So I think when it comes to work, something that I've found a really useful tool is kind of like mindful working, and it's not meditating while you're working or anything like that. But mm. if I've got a whole list of things to do, like edit the podcast, do the stats report, do an interview or whatever I think just making sure I do one thing at a time and even with your kids as well it's kind of like get the kids ready and just focus on that one thing and they behave so much better if you actually focus on them yeah it's just like kind of being present isn't it that mindful kind of parenting and working I mean it sounds like I've got it all figured out and I don't (laughs) you're looking pretty together today (laughs) I did read that about having a to-do list and actually properly listing everything down doing one thing at a time and the satisfaction of being able to tick something off once you've done it and it gives you just a bit more of a feeling of control yeah definitely so who have we got today in this episode that we're going to talk to so today I'm really excited we're going to be talking to two skeletons but not Harry and Dan we're actually going to speak to Dan and his wife Grace, which um, I'm really looking forward to. I think that's going to be an enlightening chat into the reality of life of one of Britain's busiest trainers. Yeah, definitely. And we've we've touched on stress before with Joe Davis and Rafe Beckett, but it will definitely be interesting to hear from Dan. And he's always very open, isn't he? Mm. And he's never afraid to say talk about how he feels. And Grace does a lot on the business side, so it'll be yeah. really interesting to talk to them. And then we're going to hear from Helen Brewis from Robertson Cooper, who are um, a specialist consultancy in workplace well-being. And they've been heavily involved in a survey that's just been launched by the industry, which is called the Wellbeing Cross the Horse Racing Industry Survey. And it's trying to get baseline data to see where we are as an industry with our well-being and then the industry well-being committee is going to use that data to develop their strategy which 
is a really important thing and there's some great people on that committee and I think they actually will be really proactive in getting sort of actionable steps forward. Yeah definitely and I think not only will it help businesses and organizations within racing but also individuals because you get a report at the end of that survey I think it will really help individuals to focus on their well-being and sometimes it just makes you realize things that you wouldn't even know about yourself of how stressed you are or how resilient you are so yeah so um, I think that's gonna be really interesting speaking to Helen and I will make sure we link to the survey in the show notes and I'd encourage everyone to head there and click the link all right, well, shall we get going with today's episode? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so we are joined now by Dan and Grace Skelton. Thank you so much for being here with us. You're welcome. Very happy to be here. No uh, Dan, this month, April, is Stress Awareness Month, and um, I realise that we're talking to you quite late in the evening when you've just got back from a long day at the races without a winner how stressed are you feeling right now not too bad um sort of uh, post entry entry was obviously fairly stressful for us running a lot of high quality horses and you know you're getting judged on those big occasions really april um during the weeks are a little more little more relaxed but we've got our attention turned to harry with the jockey's title so i have to say that's pretty tense yeah, sorry, uh, it was one to five now to win yeah, the title, totally. and he's going to head. Feels like we're in the driving seat a little more now, but um, yeah, it's quite tense because of that. But really, you know, the, the te- intensity from a trainer's perspective is it's always there. You're always you put yourself under that pressure. You put yourself under those expectations. But realistically, um, you know, it builds towards the weekends and, and obviously even more so for Cheltenham, even more so for Aintree. Um, but the day-to-day stuff, you, you've got to learn to, you know, you've got to learn to roll with the punches and not get too high when it's great and not get too low when it's bad. And you've got to try and try, perhaps the optimum word here, try and keep it consistent. <laughs> it's, it's often very hard, but um, having good people around you is a very important part of keeping that constant. Have you then, got better over time, over the last few years, at managing those ups and downs? Definitely. Yeah, 100%. And I think you do that because experience, you, know, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. You have to, you know, as much as our parents used to say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You, all, you know, we all go and want to learn those lessons the hard way. We don't ever accept our parents' um, knowledge that that was not the right way to do it. We like to go and just see for ourselves and you know now I'm a parent you know me and Gracie we see ourselves saying things to Florence that you know our, our parents said to us and you think to yourself sometimes oh my god I sound like my my mother or my father <laughs> you know it's uh yeah it's a strange old world isn't it and what are the main sort of stresses in a big yard and strains on a trainer most of it comes from expectation and that that's across like a broad spectrum of things. So um, expectations of care, you know, when your horse, when somebody's horse gets a, a leg or, or an injury or something, you feel for that, you know, that ultimately you would, you know, your first job as a trainer, as a horseman, horsewoman, you know, whether you're a trainer or a vet or whatever is to care for these horses. And sometimes they get injured and, and that's, that's part of it. 
but at the time it doesn't feel like that it feels very personal it feels very emotive and um so that's that's one of the biggest stresses i feel and then the expectation of results the expectations of having a good day out um a lot of it is is put upon by yourself and and by your own expectations the media expectations or whatever some of it comes from owners but you know ultimately they they pay the bills they are allowed to expect something um and i and i think that's a business relationship you pay for something you expect something um so i actually think that relationship is quite healthy i think sometimes it goes a little too far when expectations become unreasonable but that's you know touch wood i'm in a good position i don't have that sort of situation with my owners but i know that some people do if we're going to talk openly you know i might as well say i know that some trainers have that problem mm. um one of the biggest and most recent developments of, of expectation though comes from media and mostly social media. We've all got the same problem with social media, whether you're male, female, teenager, middle-aged, elder, whatever, there's this expectation upon uh, put upon us all that we have to achieve something. We have to potentially look like something. We have to act some way. Mm-hmm. You know, any false move we make is judged um, and it, it's incredibly hard. And for these young, for the younger people, it, it makes my heart bleed sometimes. And luckily, I, I sort of grew up just before phone, uh, camera phones came into existence. And it, I couldn't imagine a childhood with camera phones. I just couldn't imagine growing up with camera phones. Every time you did something silly or ridiculous or a little bit close to the edge, somebody's taking a picture of you doing it that, that mm. exists forever. Yeah. Um, and that 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 you know that expectation of, uh, of of social media and and you know almost this you know if you whatever it is that you're doing we all we all have to be very conscious as of our surroundings but you know there is no there's no breathing space uh, you, to make any mistake you, you you almost feel like you're always watching over your shoulder or or whatever but um, you, you, I try to knock that out of the way that social media expectation because. If you want to find out how good or how bad you are, look at social media. Yeah, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll, they'll overinflate how good you are. Um, and they will also, you know, completely over exaggerate how bad you can also be. <laughs> That's very true. And we're all, you know, every single one of us is better than, significantly better than our worst actions. You know, I'm sure every single one of us, if we think of the worst thing we ever did, we wouldn't want to be judged on that. That was just a bad day or a a bad set of circumstances or whatever you had too much to drink one night and whatever you know you shouldn't be judged on that but unfortunately we are and and, and that makes me sad to be honest with you it's so polarizing as it's you're either good or you're bad there's no sort of humanity in social media there's no sort of understanding of the complexity of a human being it's just incredibly judgmental grace how do you find it affects your family life, the pressure that's put on Dan or that he puts on himself? Uh, I think that's, I actually think that's half the battle from a stress perspective, if you're thinking about it from a stress perspective. I don't think it's often um, the external stresses that are the things that put the pressure on. You know, um, we've been doing this long enough now to recognise when there's a media storm around something you just you put it to the back of your mind you focus on what's in front of you you move on you know um but the pressures we put on ourselves okay dan's got much better at um 
taking some time out, you know, hanging out with Flo, walking the dog, doing these things that, that allow you to wind down. But I think, you know, anyone that is in any kind of relationship, whether it's even just your housemate, your brother, your sister, your father, your wife, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what job you're in, there will always be days where something is getting to you. And it might be really minor. It could just be an accumulation of really minor things that it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And we, we've all been in that situation where that person in your life is, is behaving atypically as a result of stress. Um, it, and it can impact relationships on, on anyone um, and in any line of work, but it's, it's about recognizing it. And it's about recognizing as well um, the things that are leading up to it, the signs that, that, that trigger stress. And, and, you know, we, I'm as susceptible to it as Dan is, you know, I manage our social media. Dan, Dan is not on it. I see every single message that says, Dan, you're a rock star. I love you. And I see every single message that says otherwise. And, you know, that, that to, to, see someone you love and care about spoken about in those terms that that's a difficult thing to deal with as well yeah for sure and um dan we were talking about expectations and you'd spoken to the racing post about the expectation on trainers to have the sort of fixation on cheltenham winners and the detrimental effect that it is having on trainers mental health have you found that's affected you personally as well and is it sort of what is it is it about that? Is it the lack of sort of appreciation for what goes into it, or the lack of appreciation of what the winners sort of prior to Cheltenham or around Cheltenham Aintree, for example? Well, when I mentioned that, it actually that was it almost fell neatly into place that that could be mentioned alongside it, um, because I did find myself highly frustrated more than depressed or you know, suffer, yeah. suffering in any way. I just found myself very, very frustrated because the expectations that you've got to turn up at Cheltenham and you've got to win and, you you know, you've got to have grade one winners and, you know, so you, sometimes you might have a winner and they, everyone says, well, it's a bad race and you think to yourself, well, what's the point? What's the point in even bothering? I got told I was supposed to come here and now I've won and you're telling me it wasn't good enough anyway. <laughs> um, but what, what, got, what got me when I made those comments was just the relentless banging of the drum that this has to be, this has to be, this has to be. There's these external forces who have no, you know, they're not the owners. They're not the financial inputters. They're not out there at six o'clock in the morning, mucking the horses out, exercising the horses. They're not riding them at the races. They're not driving them to the races. They're these people that, you know, invested in the sport. Yes, I absolutely appreciate that. But they're people that don't understand the actual horse and they're recommending that this horse should turn up at Cheltenham, which is a very unique track with its own unique questions um, to be any good. And it just frustrated me to the point where I just thought this has got to stop. You know, you're talking about a young horse here, a five-year-old that's had two runs in novice hurdles. And we now want to find out if it can win a Supreme novice hurdle. Well, no, it can't. Do you want me to say that out loud? Do you want me to tell you, no, it can't. Because then, you know, is, is that, a neg you know, am I being too negative? Are you now going to report that I'm a negative guy? But that's the truth, is that they can't all do that because it's, 
a unique test. And I just found that there was a lot of questions being asked about a lot of horses and then owners start asking at trainers, well, oh, what about doing that? We heard that, you know, he's now 14 to one for this race or that race. And you end up making, you end up making bad choices for the horses because people expect them to go one way or another. Mm. The horse suffers, the owner suffers because then they get a negative result. The owner trainer relationship suffers because they're not getting results. The owner then doesn't reinvest. The sport loses an owner. It's cyclical. You've got to look at the bigger picture. And that was what frustrated me at the time was that everyone's banging this four day drum with the completely to the detriment of the rest of the season. It's and I still, think it needs to be addressed next year because the same thing will happen. It's still happening though, isn't it? The first thing I heard them ask Harry when my Drago won was, is this a Cheltenham horse? Is this a gold cup horse? It's yeah. the first question. Yeah, it is. And, 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 you know, I think it's, you know, I think if you, are in the top two or three trainers, jockeys, either side of the Irish Sea. I think you can you can perfectly you can perfectly accept those questions and bat them off, and you know have the private conversation with your owners. And you know, at the end of the day, we've got big shoulders. We can we can carry those comments. And if that's the questions that everyone wants to ask at the moment, you know, who am I to say that they're the wrong questions to ask? I'm not in the media. I don't know if they're the wrong questions to answer. Uh, ask, sorry, but. What I do feel is that if you're a smaller trainer and, you know, all of a sudden there's this expectation, you know, that you know, now the owners are on that bandwagon as well because they've been pushed onto it. And you know, that can very quickly spiral, spiral downhill. You can get a terrible experience, go to Cheltenham, run your worst race of the season. And, and then all of a sudden you, you're a smaller trainer and your owners are thinking of moving the horse because you've had a bad experience at Cheltenham when you arrived three from three and you didn't really want to go there yourself anyway. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to, 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 to conform to this expectation. And, it, you know, you then get judged at that, that, that level. So you have to turn up at the Olympics and then only gold really matters. We'll give you a little bit of credit for silver or bronze. But you, you, if you, and if you didn't go there, well, there's something wrong with you. That, that's kind of how it sometimes feels. And how do you cope with that pressure when, when you're feeling it or you're feeling really stressed or you're feeling a lot of pressure? Normally, I just shout scream a bit. <laughs> Get it all out. <laughs> I, don't, I never bring it... I, like, I never, I do you never, watch Only Fools and Horses? I read that about you. Yeah. <laughs> I never really keep it up. I, I, never, I never bottle it. Mm. I never bottle it. It'll come out in all sorts of different ways. I might, I might actually lose my rag with you know, I might lose my rag on telly a bit or I might, you know, put, put, put the record straight. And sometimes it's, un, you know, it's unpalatable for people. You know, I got, I got a good slate in back in February for my comments, um, from some comments I made about how Irish horses were preparing for Cheltenham. And they were taken completely out of context. Somebody wrote a headline that was completely misleading. And I think now that I've explained myself, people can understand what I was getting at. But, you know, that was me just going you know, off the cuff going, well, actually, this is ridiculous and why can't we see it? And, you know, I might have got a load of negative comments after it, but actually I felt better that I said it because it all came out and, I, ha you know, it was on my mind at the time. And, you know, I'll be very honest with my owners, um, very honest. I'll say to them in black and white terms, this is the situation, this is what we're going to do and these are the reasons we're going to do it. And, you know, I think they like that strong leadership, if you like. There are times when I come home and I'm 
stressed and but I've actually got better now at saying to Grace look I'm stressed and I know why or I don't know why and we work we work around it you know nothing is forever you know you, you won't feel like that forever how do you deal with that Grace um I think it depends I think it depends you know I think anyone like I said earlier anyone who lives with anyone and sees them when they're not at their best when they're stressed when they're down whatever it is you know you you've got to gauge the situation sometimes best left alone sometimes I'm like go and put a shelf up that'll help you know it's it, it, sometimes it's about giving yourself something to to distract you from it to take you out of that mood and put you in a different uh, completely different mindset completely different focus um you know when it's me it's a bit of a middle-aged thing but I, I i go to my greenhouse i love to be in my garden and if i'm having a bad day that's where i go you know sometimes for dan it, it it's you know wants to sit down and watch the cricket or or you know, go and play football with Florence or, but it just depends because, you know, if you're very tired, sometimes it's just, I want to have a bath and go to bed and forget today ever happened. Sometimes you want to sit, you want to talk about it, you want to share it. Um, and I think it's, you know, if you're trying to help somebody cope with a stressful situation, I think there's very little merit in going, well, I'd have done it like this. You know, I, I, that, no, and there's days when if you're stressed, the last thing you want is someone going, oh, I think you're stressed. Are you all right? <laughs> you just want to be left alone, you know? And I would say it just depends day to day. It depends day to day. And the better you know someone, the better placed you are to gauge how to deal with that. Um, and you were actually on the mental health awareness course that I did with race and welfare, actually. And um, you seem pretty engaged and, and sort of interested in the mental health side of things. Has that helped you in the yard with the staff and their stresses and sort I'd of like resilience? So. I'd like to think so. You know, no, nobody can say for certain, you know, that what does and doesn't help people cope with stress is a very individual thing. And, you know, I'm a great believer and it's something we talked about um, on that course, that people's capacity for handling stress is really different. Mine's different to Dan's, it's different to yours, it's different to the next person's. But not only is their capacity for handling it different, their capacity for handling it is different according to their environment. You know, if, if I'm in the middle of foaling season, as I am at the moment, and I'm not sleeping and Florence is on her Easter holidays, my capacity for handling stress is lower than it would be otherwise. And, you know, it comes back to what I was just saying then about sort of cutting your coat according to your cloth, being able to recognize these times when it's, it's more likely to affect you, to be able to, to, um, to manage that. And, you know, we try very hard with the, with the guys on the yard to keep them engaged. We do a lot of training with them. There's, I mean, COVID's been extremely difficult for everybody. Um, for the guys living in our staff accommodation, it's, it's been a blessing and a curse, I'm sure. They've had the, the benefit of each other's support and company, but they're living at close quarters. I'm sure there's times where they've just wanted to shut the door and wish they could be anywhere else. Um, but, you know, there's, we've put the gym in there, as we all know, you know, keeping your body healthy is a really, really good way of mitigating stress. But at the same time, 
all of us have days when all we want to do is sit on the sofa and eat a packet of hobnobs, you know, <laughs> um, sometimes that does the job too. And it's okay to, to feel that way sometimes and not to punish yourself for it as well. You know, um, we, we feed, we feed the staff, it makes them sound like the horses, doesn't it? But, um, you know, we provide a hot meal five days a week at lunchtime, breakfast, six days a week so we know they're eating well they're eating nutritionally balanced meals um these little things that just go that those little steps to to allowing people to take care of themselves we've got a great team with like everyone is very friendly very interactive and i'd like to think that we operate very openly so much of managing stress has to do with the people you're able to open up to about it. And the more of those people there are around, the better place you are to manage it. Dan, you spoke at the beginning of this about the team you've built up around you. And can you talk a bit about how important your relationship is with them? I sort of, you've got people you've known for an awfully long time and their sort of loyalty and commitment to the Dan Skelton racing cause. Can you talk about that a bit? I think you're only as good as you, you're only as good as your people, really. Any business is only as good as its people, and we're very lucky that we've got a young, dynamic, you know, excited team. Really, they they all they all socialise together. Obviously, like Grace says, the COVID rules have meant that they're all in their little bubble. So, um, that's probably enhanced that bond. At times it's probably put it under great stress, um, but it has, I think, enhanced it. But I think that. One thing now, one thing I think I'm better at now than I and I hope to improve on is actually taking time and actually giving people recognizing when people aren't at their best and asking if everything's okay. And you know, there was an example the other day, there's a girl I know in the yard, she's worked for us since she was 16 when we very first started. And I I I you know, when you known somebody that long, you've known somebody for seven years you know their little traits and she's normally a very chatty person. I said, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing. I said, look, I don't want to be intrusive here, but I know something's wrong. And she opened up and said that she was stressed because her parents, um, her parents were struggling at work and, and little bits and pieces like this. And, you know, she felt just so much better for talking about it. Um, and, you know, I always say to my staff when something happens that shouldn't I always say to them just because I wasn't there doesn't mean I don't know it didn't happen and I think that also counts for the good stuff as well and you know you try to keep that you try to keep that uh, relationship going that you know that um, friendly but there's a limit relationship um, but actually I do feel that the best thing you can give people is time it's the most important thing you can give them is time and not enough of us give enough time. And when I was when I started out, I was literally flying around left, right, and centre. I wouldn't have noticed if someone had a broken leg. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just it was all one way traffic. But uh, you know, when you, when you give yourself a little bit more time, that's when you start noticing and and, and start you know those those minor details, those zero point zero 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 one percent that help people improve you know, to ultimately improve your business and the product and the output, you know, those little things that you can help people with and let them know that they're cared for and that they, you know, somebody cares about them. 
um, is very important because we, you know, we go home to family. We know that we know that we're important to family. We don't need reminding on a daily basis that, you know, we're important to our parents or our sisters or our brothers or our grandparents. Like we, we take that for granted. We know that when the going gets tough, we know we can rely on them. But actually, if you hear from your boss or from your line manager or from a colleague that, you know, hey, we notice you're not at your best today, you know, that I think is quite important. I think that the fact that people, somebody notices in, you know, when it actually isn't their job to perhaps notice, mm. it's not family. Sometimes, you know, I think that society is getting better at building in to work society as well that we're all looking out for each other but it still doesn't feel like it's kind of your boss's job to to care how you know to care if you're upset about your cat dying um you know it's, it's, it feels like that's that, that we're not quite there in society yet as a, as a general but i think that we can instill that more and more and i think that's really important i, I try to give i try to give all the staff the time off they need when a when a relative dies or you know, they've got funerals coming up and, you know, I always say to them, you know, just, just tell me just if, if it's too much, just take a day off, just we'll do whatever, you you know, whatever makes you comfy and whatever makes you feel the best you can, then we'll, we'll, we'll do that. You obviously um, thrive off the competitiveness and winners and all of that, but building those relationships with your team must make the day to day a much more enjoyable job to be doing. Yeah, definitely. And, and we could, ultimately, we can only have as many winners as we can have. You know, we can only have as many horses in the yard as we can have. There isn't a there isn't an ever, an ever ending number. You know, we're not going to have this the same phone call in, in, in three years time and find out that we're training a thousand horses. So you know, that, that's not what's going to happen. We, we, we've reached a number now where we're happy with the number we've got. We want to up the quality. Yeah, but we can only run the amount of horses we run you know, we, we thrive off that competitiveness and we do it every day, but I think to do it better and to, to make it more sustainable and more enjoyable, ultimately, we can all, we can all work together even better. And that my staff and I think racing staff in general work together fantastically. You know, there's no touchline punch-ups, you know, you get in football or rugby or whatever, and they're, 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 they're some of the quieter sports, but you know, there's none of that rivalry. Um, you know, everybody gets on, you know, they all want to be friends with each other. They socialise together when times allow. Um, and, and I think it's a, you know, I think for a lot of the negativity that goes with racing at the moment, one thing that I would say is very, very positive is the almost friendly camaraderie that's instilled in within the, the people who actually work with the horses and in the yards. Yeah, it's a great like, community, isn't it? Yeah. In racing. It feels quite safe. You know, if you're an employee in racing, yeah. it feels quite safe. It feels like everyone's watching your back. And, you know, if you, your horse gets loose, somebody else will help you catch it. And, you know, you don't feel, you never feel like you're on your own. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you doing it this time in the evening as well. But before you go, Lauren's got a quick fair five for you. It's, not, it's nothing too bad. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do both of you. So we'll do Dan and then Grace. So Dan, I am happiest when? When I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> after all that, after that 
that amazing conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, it's all about the winners. Grace, what about you? I'm happiest when? I'm happiest when I've got my family sat around the table together. That's my best. Dan, when I am feeling... I'm also I'm... really happy when I've got <laughs> <Yeah>. my family <laughs> It's too late now. You know what the headlines will be? <laughs> oh, we know the truth. It's the winner. Uh... When I'm feeling overwhelmed, I. Oh, these are really deep questions, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I. I panic a bit, actually. Hmm. Yeah, which isn't really which isn't really like me. I start overthinking, and it'll it, you know if if I'm overwhelmed, it'll take me ten or fifteen minutes just to calm down. Grace, what about you? I. Go and have a little cry in my greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My one top tip for looking after my well-being is um my one top tip. I for me it's it's delegating. Oh. Yeah. Pushing Thanks. pushing little bits on pushing the little bits that are are okay to push on to others. Um, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's talking to people. It's picking up the phone to my sister, my mum, my friends, Dan. I don't have to pick up the phone to him, obviously. But, <laughs> well, sometimes I do, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's it's talking about it, letting letting people know how you're feeling, where you are, what's going on with you. And can you give us a person, a book, or a film, something that's inspired you recently? Yeah, I was really inspired by uh, a book called The Boys in the Boat, which is a uh, true story about a Washington State team that competed in the Berlin Olympics. And it's an incredible story. That sounds amazing. Mine's a book too, is that right? Um, yeah, absolutely. A book called American Dirt. It's about a woman and her son fleeing Mexico. I'm sure a lot of you will have read it, but um, it, I just think it shows you the depth of human resilience and, and what we are capable of, even in times of overwhelming stress. And I mean, if you read it, there's pretty stressful stuff going on there. Um, but, you know, I think it, it shows us the, the depths of resilience we can find in ourselves, you know, when we really, really need to. I'm halfway through that book at the moment and I've had to just put it to one side. It's just too... With it. I know I know I need to it's just too stressful and finally can you give us a horse to follow oh my Drogo <laughs> I think it was a dark horse then dark horse um yeah I keep I keep saying him as well he's he, he is quite well known but pro perhaps not as well known as my Drogo but I just feel like we've unfinished business with a horse called third time lucky oh yeah backed him in the county hurdle yeah I think next year as a chaser he's gonna go all the way Grace, have you got one? Uh, mine would, I'm a bit biased. Mine would have to be New Benegra. I stand his stallion at studs, so I, I've, I'm a bit bit biased. But uh, no, Noobs is, a, Noobs is a serious horse. I love him. And he saved my appalling betting week at Cheltenham. <laughs> when I'm oh, delighted. Try, so. <laughs> delighted he does the business for you. Guys, thank awesome. you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us.
So this week has seen the horse racing industry launch a well-being across the horse racing industry survey. And I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Helen Brewis from Robertson Cooper, who've been heavily involved in the design of the survey. And thanks so much for joining us, Helen. Um, thanks. Uh, it's nice to be here, Lauren. Hi. Hi, Helen. So can you tell us a little bit about the survey, how it came about and why it's important, the survey within the racing industry? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good question. Um, Clearly, um, horse racing and um, the work that's involved and the challenges uh, that come from that, it's really important for us to understand how that impacts on people's well-being, both positively and also sometimes as a challenge. Um, So I know the horse racing industry have been working over the last few years to build and develop a strategy around well-being um, and the focuses over the next few years in terms of activities and approaches that will enable um, the industry to best support people, no matter kind of what role or job that they're working in, um, and think about the activities and the approaches that go with that. Um, in order to be able to do that, um, it's really important to understand uh, where people are now, um, how their well-being is, what are the things that are impacting on them, where, where are pressures coming from, and how are people feeling. And I think also, you know, um, we couldn't probably talk about this without mentioning COVID either over the last year, year and a bit now. Um, you know, we've had to deal with a very different world um, and that as well has had an impact on people. So I guess if we can understand where we are now, how people are feeling now, understand perhaps some of the drivers of people's well-being when they work in the horse racing industry, um, then that will enable people, stakeholders, um, organisations to start thinking about how they can best support people in work. And who's going to be driving that strategy once the sort of baseline data has been gathered together? Yeah, so that will be driven by the industry itself. So um, different governing bodies, um, stakeholders, um, everyone can kind of get involved um, in, in kind of living and breathing that strategy. And within it, there are a number of areas of focus, which will identified. Um, actually, if we work on these areas, this will make a difference to how people feel. And I guess it's worth saying that we've, we've all got a responsibility when it comes to our well-being. Uh, we all play a part in that. Um, but we also know that the kind of the setup, the processes, the people around us as well can impact on our well-being. So that strategy looks um, at the various different ways that we can tackle um, well-being and, and how to make a difference to it in a positive way. And um, as well as sort of this being, if you work in the industry, this is your chance to sort of feedback your yeah. opinion on how you're feeling and have your positive impact. But um, what else are the benefits for um, an individual who fills in the survey? Yeah, um, again, a good question. So for everyone who fills in the survey, immediately as you've completed it, you'll be able to download a report which provides you with feedback on the questions that you've answered within the survey. So that will give you an idea of how you're currently experiencing pressure at work, areas for you which are um, kind of real sources of positive pressure. And we know actually when we're at work, if we have good levels of positive pressure, that's good for kind of our performance, our happiness, um, uh, how, how we feel. So, you know, it's, this is not about kind of, it, it's about understanding where you are and how that's impacting on you is what I would say. So you'll get your report and you'll get that feedback and that will give you some insights into actually 
These are things that are important for me to keep on doing. These are things that I might need to focus on. These are things which actually probably benefit from having a chat with somebody about just to get a different perspective or to have a chat with people that you work with, your manager, um, to get their input on, on what you could do that would make a difference or what they could do that would make a difference as well. Sometimes you feel like you know all that, but actually seeing it written down and having it fed back to you in that way can be quite powerful, can't it? Yeah, I would, I would say so. And it's, it, I think that's a really, it's a good shout. You, you sort of know it, but it, unless you sort of verbalise it or see it, sometimes you don't mm. kind of really notice it. And this gives people that opportunity to kind of really notice and have a reflect on where they are. And within there, there's some ideas and suggestions about what you can do as well in each of the different areas that we ask questions on. So I think that's, that's an individual benefit. But I think also everyone that completes it and that's your opportunity to have that say to kind of feed in and the more people that do it the more um the more information the better representation that we get across the industry of how people are and where they are in terms of their well-being i thought it was interesting actually the way you said earlier that um it's not just a negative report it's you know you have to focus on what you're doing positively as well and something that roberts and cooper focus on is resilience and stress which we've been talking about in this um in this episode and the it's you know there's four key areas of that confidence adaptability purposefulness and social connection I guess once you've kind of done the report and got the feedback it takes a little bit of work doesn't it personally to kind of put those changes into place yeah Yeah, you're absolutely right Tina it's um Resilience is something for me that we work on on a daily basis. And it's it, there's always, I think, room for us to keep on thinking and reflecting on where we are in terms of our resilience. So I think it's definitely you might identify across those four areas that you've mentioned there that actually, yes, I, you know, I know that actually I perhaps need to be a little bit more connected with people that I perhaps don't always speak to people when I'm struggling. And actually, if I did that, that would help my resilience. I would feel better. Um, that said, I think there are always some things that you can do in the moment that will make a difference to how you're feeling. Um, So for example, I guess, you know, if it's, um, uh, we know sleep, for example, is fundamental to to our energy, to how we cope with things on a day-to-day basis. So if we could do anything just to even get ourselves half an hour, an hour of extra sleep or more quality sleep by having a really good um, sort of routine um, before we kind of get into bed, Uh, at night or in the morning depending on the kind of time of day that you work so yeah I think that report will give you some insights into kind of resilience in the moment right now there are some things you can do to help yourself right now and some things which take um, just a little bit more work in progress. Lauren you've taken the report haven't you? I have well I've taken I've done done the the first draft I think there might be a couple of additions uh, now it's gone live but yeah it was absolutely fascinating and um, scarily accurate actually as well. (laughs) I think and I think Lauren and what you're saying there it I think there's um, there's a point there which is with the the point about kind of the few adaptions is we've really worked um, with different stakeholders uh, we'll work with the project team to make sure that the kind of the questions that are in there are kind of will help us get the information that's really useful. Um, so, you know, we have questions that we ask around pressures, but you'll find there's some other questions in there as well um, around training and development, around your passion for the work that you do. 
around kind of whether you sometimes might come into work when you're not feeling so grand. Um, and that just helps us kind of get a real rich data and look at it from different angles to really understand what's going on. Yeah, I would really recommend anyone listening, if you work in the industry, to go and fill it in for your own benefit, for the benefit of the industry. It's um, it's a really important Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and, and I guess it, it, when you've done it, the, you'll get a little box at the end which says download your report. So that's that's the bit to, to make sure that you find so you can get that, that feedback. There's also a page at the end of it which has got information on kind of different support that's available. So if you have a read and you go, actually, I think I would benefit from speaking to someone. I haven't been feeling so grand. Mm. There's information immediately at the back of that report to help you guide you uh, uh, to the support that might be helpful to you. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. That's really good insight into the survey. And it sounds like it'll be really interesting for a lot of people. So we really encourage anybody listening to take part and take the survey because it will be a real benefit to the industry, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the more people can get um, kind of engaged and doing it, absolutely the better for them as an individual, but also, as you say, for the industry. As always, a huge thank you to our guests today. Um, I'll start with Dan and Grace Skelton. It was so great to hear from them. And I think what struck me the most was not just what they do to manage their own stress and their own resilience, but everything they're doing for their staff as well, which is amazing. And I think the most important thing that Dan said was not just about all these great things they're providing for their staff. They're obviously an industry leader in that with the gym and the accommodation and hot meals. But actually, the the most important thing was taking the time to talk to people. And I think that's a lesson for everyone, employer, colleague, just generally in life, isn't it? That human connection is the most important thing. Yeah, it's so important, that connection, particularly, as they said, at the moment through COVID when Mm -hmm. a lot of people are very isolated and, you know, living in such a rural location during COVID and the lockdowns and, you know, having that support from the employer, having a boss or a colleague come to you and say, oh, I've noticed something isn't that Mm -hmm. great, it can really make a huge difference. And it sounds like there's a lot of support for the staff there. Yeah, and Racing Welfare can provide a lot of support if you are feeling stressed or just in need of a listening ear, can't they? Yeah, I think, you know, if stress is getting to you or you don't feel like you need a full course of counselling, for example, Mm. you can get that in-the-moment support from Racing Welfare where you might just want to call somebody to talk about it. And there's trained counsellors, as we've said before, um, who you can chat to so you know you just need to pick up the phone the number's 0800 6300 443 and there's always somebody there to chat yeah and it was um great to hear from you I had, didn't realize that you'd done the mental health first aid course with Grace that's another really good project coming out of Racing Welfare isn't it that- yeah it's great and and it and actually even though we've had to go online because of of lockdowns and covid it's actually, it was still, I found it really beneficial. And one of the metaphors that's mentioned in there is the stress bucket and the stress bucket can fill up and fill up. And then you need to put holes in that stress bucket and empty it every now and then before it overflows. And I think that's kind of what Grace was talking about as mm. well. You know, she goes out to a greenhouse when she feels, yeah. you know, a bit stressed. And it's about doing those things that really feed you and, and 
things that you enjoy and to let that stress out so yeah so if um you're they're well worth doing yeah if you're interested in finding out more about um taking part in a mental health first aid course just head to racingwelfare.co.uk and you'll find all the details you need yeah and there's a case study actually on the website with beck edmonds who's done the mental health first aid course and you see the sort of benefits from it on there because she's helped staff in her yard at Brian Smarts through a lot of problems and suicidal mm. thoughts. So it's, it's really worth worth having a look. Yeah. And we can't go without thanking Helen as well from Robertson Cooper, who came on yeah. to talk us through the survey, which is an industry pod project, which I think is everyone behind that seems to be genuinely looking to make a difference and um, so I hope anyone listening if you work in the industry or if you're an employer that you'll encourage your staff to take part and as I said I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah I'd really urge anybody in the racing industry to take that survey because it will really help help everyone that you've mentioned there. Yeah definitely. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. See you then.